Welcome to another episode of the Protein Bros Podcast. Today we have an awesome episode in store for you guys. We sit down with Roger Allen, who is a former NFL player. He is a former Orange Theory regional director and now a strength and performance coach and director over over a lot of other trainers at the KU Med Sports Performance Center. Uh, we, we talk about his NFL career, the players he played with, the trials and tribulations of getting injured in the NFL, you know, what was life like after the NFL, along with what is where is sports performance going these days, where is personal training going these days, and where is fitness going in the future. And uh, he's got a lot of insight. He's got a lot of great stories. And on top of that, he talks to us all about and educates us on anime because we knew nothing about it. So tune in. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and share. How long have you been at UMKC now? So you say UMKC. So it's University of Kansas Medical Hospital. Okay. Yeah. So that I've been there for a year. Uh, year and some change, like a year. And University and a half. of Kansas Medical Hospital. So yeah. that's the one that's at basically Independence and Twenty Nine Highway. No, that's the. It has several that, locations, but this okay. is the one that's uh on in KCK down like near downtown. Okay, it's in the Wyandotte area. Mm-hmm. So it has the the right big, by KC Joe's. Exactly the big huge uh, medical hospital, and then they have little satellites, satellites all over the place. So it's the biggest uh, hospital system in the whole Midwest. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, it's a blessing. I would love to know. Well, for those of us that don't know, we're already recording. Dope. So for all of our listeners, what is the difference between being like a strength and conditioning coach uh, versus it being sports performance and sports medicine? And would be what would be the actual title of your position there? And how does that differ? So I am the supervisor of strength and athletic development. Supervisor, yeah, strength and athletic development. And uh, honestly, there's no difference between being a strength coach and that my position. Sure. Um, So I actually manage and supervise a staff of three uh, assistant strength coaches, and our goal is to continue to allow athletes to strengthen and improve their their gains, improve their performance on the field. But most importantly, being coupled with the hospital, we put a huge emphasis on injury prevention. So what made me get into strength and conditioning in the first place is I've had a career riddled with injuries. I've had seven surgeries. Uh, Probably could get two more that I'm just putting off as long as possible. And uh, I realized a big part of the reason why I had those surgeries is because uh, being trained throughout high school and middle school and our middle school, high school, and then in collegiate level, I didn't really have a collegiate strength coach. Um, my high school coach was my strength coach in high school, uh, my head coach, and my O-line coach and D-line coach were our strength coaches in college. And great guys, but they really didn't study the body, didn't study anatomy. They just did what their coaches had them do. Right? Yeah. They weren't specializing. It was means. it was max out stuff and eat peanut butter and jellies. If it was hey, anything hey. like my coaches. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I got strong, but uh, I wasn't balanced. And due to that, uh, once I started going against higher levels in the NFL, my body broke. I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with it, and which broke my heart because I played with guys that continued to go on and play ten years, and they were my backups initially. You know, so I was like, I could have had a much longer career if I just could have stayed healthy. And my agent used to say, if you can stay healthy, grow wealthy. Mm -hmm. You know, so I grew normal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, so for those who are listening, you know, uh, Roger, he played in the NFL for how many years? 
uh, I made it four full seasons, uh, five preseasons. Yeah, and so when you're talking about injuries, the NFL linemen are notorious for having knee injuries. Is that where you your injuries were occurring? Or where, yeah. what specific injuries did you have? So I had uh, ACL on both. I had a meniscus tear on both. And then I've had three athletic pubalgias, a.k.a. groin surgeries, where your, your abdomen detaches from your groin. Oh, God. That sounds heinously it's painful. A, it's amazing. It's a good time. <laughs> what, what, what would be the most painful out of those? Uh, ironically, in the moment, mm-hmm. none of them are, like, super painful uh, when it happens, it happens, and then it's more of a chronic ache afterwards. Sure, that ends up getting uh, unbearable. The uh, the groin one would only happen when you did certain movements, and then all of a sudden you'd feel a huge pop. And then Sharp, that would, if you yeah, will. exactly, yeah. yeah, and that would hurt. Uh, the ACL obviously was just a chronic pain, and anytime you try to change the direction, you know, your knee will buckle. So I don't know if I had great pain tolerance, you know, just because I'm just like that, or <laughs> if it was just because those surgeries, those injuries aren't as painful initially. More mm-hmm. than anything, you, once it happens, you just realize, hey, I got six months of rehab, so you know, tears <laughs> happen, yeah. and you're yeah. so upset. Well, speaking of which, what would be the most painful of those rehabs with you coming out of these surgeries? For sure, ACL. Yikes. Yeah, ACL. It's uh, six to nine months, and that's what they always say. But I think six months is for people who are under two hundred pounds. All right? With you. All right. So the heavier you are, the longer your rehab is going to be because it's more body weight on that joint. And so whenever I was like in high school, I was when I first got my ACL sophomore year, I bounced back in six months. And I was good. I had my best season in high school, my junior year after the ACL. Then I tore my ACL on the other side. I was like, okay, six months, I'm going to do it. No, at that point, I'm 315 pounds. And that took me more like nine months to a year to get back to being normal. Well, and it was, um, you know, for in positions, right, it matters. Like typically, um, you know, like a running back, you know, very famous for getting some torn ACLs. It seemed like back in the day, um, you know, even the times when you were playing, this is like 2010, 12, you know, area, mm-hmm. era, right? It was very unheard of for anybody to come back the next season and perform, you know, in six, nine months, like you're talking about, and perform at the same level. And I think I think Adrian Peterson was the first NFL player I can think of that just absolutely dominated after a, a six-month stint, which is right. just like, I mean, that's is that still unheard of, you think, or is that – becoming more and more common where people can just bounce back like that. It's getting better and better and better every uh, every time. So whenever I first had my ACLs, uh, you were supposed to keep your weight off of it for a while, mm-hmm. which, as you know, creates higher, uh, which creates um, your the muscles start to deteriorate and get weaker. Uh, atrophy is the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, your, your muscles start to atrophy, and then uh, it takes even longer to build that, the muscles back up and, and get your range of motion back. Those surrounding muscles. Exactly. So yeah. at our facility right now, when someone has their ACL right the day after surgery, we have them weight-bearing now. <laughs> we have them working on the range of motion. That's wild. All right. <laughs> the, the, the decision is still fresh, and, we, and they realize it's important to minimize that atrophy as quick as possible. So getting them bearing their weight again, uh, using those muscles, uh, creating their mind-body connection once again uh, improves the recovery time. So it's just simple, small things like that. And then along with that, the surgery's gotten better with. It's less invasive. They they can scope more and make it a smaller incision. 
the smaller incision, the faster recovery. So, yeah. Why is, is it so, you know, back when I was playing, we used to do those tests where you would do um, like a hamstring curl versus like an extension to see what your, your hamstring versus quad um, strength was in comparison because they said that that was a good representation of, of knee stability. Is that still a, a measurement that you guys use to, to check on knee stability or what, what, how do you, you know, when you're, when you're training an athlete, how specifically are you telling, being able to tell whether or not this person is going to have, could run into problems with knee, knee, uh, knee issues in the future? That's a great measurement of, of thinking about that when it comes to hamstring and quad strength. We really don't go that route. We go off of movement. Uh, mm -hmm. So we do a movement screening anytime we get a first athlete. We're going to see how their move, their their body moves, and that's going to tell us what's underactive and overactive. Mm -hmm. So if their knee valgus, aka knee drops in uh, on lunges and squats, that's a sign that they have very weak quads and probably have uh, very tight glutes. Mm -hmm. You know, so that tells us right right away what we need to strengthen and what we need to focus on on uh, uh, stretching. And then vice versa. So we use movement and use our eyes to determine uh, the uh, athlete's risk of injury. Yeah. And then on top of that, we just focused on training the posterior chain to be twice as strong as the anterior chain. Yeah. And for any athlete, that's that's the focus. Nice. Yeah, I need to work on that myself, man. Posterior chain hurt me right now. It's, yes. it's hard. Everybody yeah. wants to. There's the go muscles and the show muscles. The anterior yeah. chain. That's what you show off. So that's what we focus on. But if you want to go, if you want to move fast, it's actually the posterior chain. It that's is. where your gas is. Yep. I love that, dude. This is a. So I want to hear what what a uh, team were you with whenever you tore your ACL for the second time? The one that was out of college or out of high school. So that one was with the St. Louis Rams. So I, uh, I made it to the starting roster and my very first full start was the last game of the season. We were going against the, uh, your rookie year. Yeah. Rookie year. So you got Sam Bradford starting. Yeah, we had Sam, Sam. His rookie, his rookie year too. No, actually, he? no, we didn't have Sam Bradford. Uh, Kellen Clemens. No, it was a guy before Sam Bradford. Um, Mark Bolger. Mark Bolger. Mark Bolger was our starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. And Sam came the following year. Okay. So, yeah. This is Mark Bolger's twilight, his, his swan song, if you will. <laughs> exactly. Right yeah. before he got out. Dang, man. I was going to say, uh, Sam Bradford, he had two torn ACLs. Remember, back-to-back -back years. Exactly. That'd he went out, What he? I think it might have been, you know, preseason, and then he came back the next preseason and did it again in the next preseason game. It was the saddest thing as a fan to he watch. He was legit at Oklahoma, too, man. He was a Heisman winner, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, dude, dude had an best. arm. He was smart, but he yeah. couldn't He couldn't stay healthy. And mm -hmm. once again, I would be curious on what his workout routine was, how, how balanced was his body. This is what I know mm -hmm. about quarterbacks is they're either like psychos as far as work ethic or they literally never squat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like some some quarterbacks are so, you know, they're like just the athletic guys that, you know, they don't have to put a lot of work in. Ben Roethlisberger's. You yeah. know. <laughs> so a great example of a guy who works extremely hard was the quarterback we had when, on my second team, the Saints. Uh-huh. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Drew yeah. Brees is the hardest working athlete I've ever had the pleasure of being around. I believe um, that. And he's integrity. He has great integrity. He is who people say he is. And uh, I always tell, talk to people about Drew. When you show up, so a normal day in the NFL during the season, uh, for most players, you show up and it, you will uh, go to meetings and then you'll work out. And then after the workout, we'll go practice. And then you come, eat, you go to more meetings, and then you go home. 
Well, when we first show up, Drew's already work, working out, already in the weight room doing an hour of his workout. Then we go to meetings, and Drew is already watching film. So he was already one step ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Um, and then, so during the workout, when everybody else was working out, <laughs> Drew was doing film. And that's the reason why Drew was an amazing uh, quarterback, not only because of his skill of throwing the ball and being able to scramble, but he read defenses. He knew what they were going to do. He knew exactly what they were going to do, where the blitz was coming from every single time. So he knew exactly where to slide the offensive line. So whereas uh, when I, it was the exact opposite when I was at the Carolina. Carolina, we had to read all of the, the blitzes and whatnot as the offensive line. When I was with the Saints, literally Drew was like, hey, slide left, yeah. slide right. He's coming. Block him, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you didn't have to think. So you didn't, then you just got to play. You just get to focus on your form and beat the guy in front of you because you didn't have to read the disguises. And Drew did all of that through film play. You know, Drew Brees is like one of the few quarterbacks that you see like breaking a team down before. You know, usually it's like a defensive guy, like a freaking, you know, a veteran a linebacker guy, or yeah, something. Yeah. But Drew Brees has always – he always had enough – respect with the team to be like the guy that's in the middle breaking everybody down, which I always thought was pretty cool. Drew Brees is the difference between a leader and a manager. Yeah. A manager will tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. A leader will get out front and show you how to do it. Yeah, yeah. All right, and, and do it with you, be in the trenches with you. Was yeah. he your best leader that you played with? By far. That's by awesome, far, man. By far. During the lockout, so the after my second Six. season, going into my, yeah, going, uh, it was 2000. 12? Eleven, I think, mm-hmm. was the NFL lockout. Um, so we couldn't we couldn't train with the facility. All mm-hmm. right, and so Drew, with his own money, paid for the entire team to stay in a hotel and train at Tulane. Tra- paid all the trainers there just so because he wanted us to be good going into the next season, not be out of shape. So he was the first quarterback to do that, and then several other quarterbacks tried to follow his, yeah. <laughs> his standpoint. But he did that because he was going to put the team on his back. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, uh, just as a personal story from that time frame, I remember I was working at Supplement Superstores in St. Louis for like a week, and I just remember James Laurinaitis coming in during the lockout. James. Yeah, man. <laughs> James Laurinaitis, was, he was he was my boy at the time. I was like 20. I was probably the same age as him, honestly. Uh, that was my boy, too. He's a yeah, good dude. We, he and I used to hang out. No, he, that guy's a crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard a story about him and Aaron Andrews maybe at one point in college. Oh, is this okay. true, Roger? Uh, he goes, oh, okay. I, hey, He's listen, like, is this true? I didn't know him in college. I knew him in the league. That was it. Yeah, he, there, was a, there, was a, there was an Aaron Andrews story that circulated with James, but – he came in and he was like, dude, there's like two different type of football players. He's like, dude, he's like the day that the lockout ended. He was like, I was waiting for them to unlock the, you know, the building. I was sitting there an hour early, just lining up, like couldn't wait to get back. And he's like, you know, he name drop a handful of players that were like, do I really got to go back? Right, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, man, it's so crazy how people can, you know, live out somebody else's dreams and they just don't even appreciate it. You know what I mean? Pretty that, wild. That's absolutely correct. Do you think mm-hmm. that, you know, so for those who are listening, um, you know, a lot of people that go to the NFL, they're going, you know, James Laurinaitis came from Ohio, Ohio State, State, right? Mm-hmm. So he's 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 a guy that came from a big program and, you know, got drafted pretty high. Was he a first round? Yeah. Or, uh, I believe he was a second, second rounder. Second, second rounder. Yep. So got drafted. The first rounder, actually, that year was uh, uh, Jason Smith. Ah, offensive tackle yeah. from number two overall, two overall. Yeah. and uh, you are your Rams fan for sure. <laughs> I'm a real Chiefs fan now but I mean like I'm a real football fan for sure but yeah man Jason Smith right next to Greg Robinson is two of the most worthless picks of all time 
But but what? <laughs> I'm not going on there saying that. <laughs> Why not? But uh, but hey, well, how was their work ethic? I actually, Jason worked really really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason was a hard worker. He stuck he, around longer too. Yeah, it did he did? It's just he was a little stiff, and and you can't be stiff as a tackle. <laughs> you got to be mm-hmm. able to move and be. He was a m- more of a mauler running run blocker than he was a pass blocker. Exactly. Of, of like. If I'm told correctly, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I've been in the trenches and know. <laughs> yeah, but, he he wasn't the he wasn't the finesse guy, you know. So he was he was more running at you, and yeah, it's just it's tough. It's it's real tough to make it in the on the offensive line. You know, you got you got to be you got to be uh, versatile. I'm with you. But but what I was saying is, so you came from Missouri West, smaller program, obviously. Um, Western, right? Yeah, yes. Missouri Western. Yeah, yeah. Missouri Western, and. Um, because you came from a little, a little bit smaller program, did you notice that you know guys like you who are coming from those small programs versus guys that are coming from the bigger programs had more of the you know scrappy work ethic? You know, was that a, was that a common thing that was happening, or do you think it's basically you get to the NFL and it's kind of a blank slate? Yeah, even blank playing slate, field. It's it all depends on who who you are yeah. and that person's character. I've Played with Division One athletes that bust their behinds, worked hard. Played with Division athletes that were uh, terrible work ethic and just relied purely on their God-given skill. And same thing in, in a Division Two. There's guys who bust their behind. There's guys who go off of skill. Problem is in Division Two, if you don't bust your behind, you ain't making it to the next level. Yeah. All right, at, at your level, you're not, you're going to plateau. Whereas in Division One. Uh, if you got God-given ability and you're on a higher platform, you're going to still get the opportunity get to get a shot. Yeah, yeah. So we talk, we talked about you know we know we're all over the place when it comes to like your 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 playing career and just the stories that dude you 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 have to like the experiences that you've had have just got to be um, you know immense more or less the best for the lack of a better term. You have a situation now where you get to you know take some of these young athletes and guide them better. What's the advice that you wish you could have gotten? You know what I'm saying? The first one was take care of your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weight room is where you put on your armor. So uh, your muscles not only help you perform better, but protect you, especially in football, with all the hits, all of the awkward positions you're going to be put in. So flexibility is key. All right, It's not just about getting strong, but you have to put on that mask and stay limber because you will be caught in a awkward situation. Someone's going to roll up on you. Someone's going to roll up. Yeah, exactly. And if you're tight, you're going to snap like a rubber band. But if you're limber, you'll bend, you'll, it'll hurt, but you'll hop back up, no injuries. So that's the goal is to stay flexible, stay flexible, stay flexible. If you're not flexible, get flexible. Otherwise injuries are inevitable for you. Then the, uh, the, another thing to focus on is, Stay grounded in your faith. Um, you're going to have ups and downs, highs and lows, and you'll flow with those emotions if you don't have something grounding you. You know, for me, it was my belief in the Holy Father and Jesus, and, and that is what kept me going through my my highs and lows. I got cut several times. Mm-hmm. And the first time, you know, you're like, oh, I'll never play again, crying, boo-boo, boo-hoo. And the second time, you're like, oh, this still stings. Little tears, but I wipe it away. Third time, I'm like, okay, thank you. Shake hands on to the next one. You know, and I realized over being dropped so many times that at the end of the day, he still had me. He's still taking care of me. He allowed me to get to the next team. And then eventually when my time was done, um, I, I was able to use my time there to to uh, 
launched me into my next career path, which mm-hmm. is this. So everything happens for a reason. Just because it doesn't go the way you imagined it in your mind doesn't mean that it's not according to his plan. And ultimately, it's going to be for the best. Right now, I get to impact kids and help them in their careers and avoid the things I, I went under. So it, w- it would have been more beneficial for me to have a 10-year career or is it more beneficial for me to have a short career and ha- allow the next person to have an amazing career? I might train the next <laughs> Mahomes. Yeah. And b- due to my injuries, I might help him avoid those problems. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Special, man. I mean, <clears throat> with your Speaking of injuries in Mahomes, like – Dude, how does that guy recover so freaking quick from injuries? Well, like, actually, unbelievable. That high ankle sprain. <laughs> and the knee, those. dude. Yeah. And the dislocated the, I, knee. The knee was a two, three week deal. I will say, he played uh, the next week on that. I met his trainer. His trainer. He, Bobby Mahomes, Stroop. Yeah, my, yeah oh. he used to train at our facility, actually. Now he trains at the uh, at the Wizards location because they have more room and, and an amazing place. But uh, before that, they were training at our place. And Bobby would have them out there doing all kinds of weird movements. Yeah. Uh, putting his body in awkward positions. And that is the reason why he had a sprain and not a break. That's why he had a sprain and not a full on tear. All right. So he was got caught in awkward position. He got injured, but it was not as severe as it could have been if his body was not limber and, and able to bounce back from those bad positions. So goes back to what I'm saying. Yeah. Flexibility wow, yeah. is key. And that's, Bo- that's Bobby, great. he's huge on that. He, he does not do traditional training at all. It's all about strength through mobility bro the the so the, cool. cl- the classic uh twitter where he put out the uh, ankle ankle photo with the 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 bulldog in it did you see that no i didn't see that he's like i think uh mahomes's ankle is gonna be fine and it was <laughs> mahomes's <laughs> ankle with a bulldog on it <laughs> mahomes ankle got the dog in him. he's got the dog yeah. in him. I was find, like, find the photo that is so Luke, funny, show man. us show us the photo of uh yeah mahomes ankle bulldog but uh, man, man, I was what the what the heck point was I gonna make? I'm Kyle, sorry, I, went, I got totally. It's okay. I, I was like, yeah, and Mahomes. <laughs> and that ankle. So sorry, but you got um, you know, you got like, I guess with my my biggest point, I was just trying to make there was just that, you know, you seem to have a genuine passion for helping younger athletes, you know, further themselves. Um, did you dabble in coaching at all, man? Because I feel like you could make a real impact with people like that. I thought about it. It's just the hours. And I, I have two young children with my ex-wife. And uh, going into it, I knew the hours that a uh, coach had to put in, especially at the higher levels. And I wanted to be able to spend time with my ch- children and not spend 15 hours a day. Yeah, there it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pit bull, dog. Hey, 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 get the Mahomes fro. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> He just put, he tweeted that out and he goes, I think his ankle is going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And Bobby put that dog in his ankle. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but so uh, initially I thought about coaching, but then wanted to go the strength route because I knew strength coaches didn't have to travel for recruiting. Mm-hmm. You know, strength coaches got to stay at home. And so that's what initially got me into the strength realm. And then at the same time, I love to lift. I love to train. And so it just made sense. And, I was told very young that if you love what you do, you don't have to work a day in your life. And I do love what I do. So is it work? Does it get monotonous after a while? Yeah. But once I'm in it, I'm in it and I'm loving it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were in charge of uh, a handful of Orange Theories here in town, like five or six or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, 15, uh, 15. Oh, my bad. I didn't know they grew that much. My yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, no. Hey, hey, there's a huge difference between five and 15. It's so. a regional director here. in Regional Kansas, director. Right? Exactly. So I was a regional fitness director. So I trained all of the Orange Theory coaches in the region. So at a time. So. 
uh, for what is that four years? Mm-hmm. Four years. Uh, so not all of them. There was a regional fitness director before me, Scott Schlesinger, but uh, I I inherited it from him, and so I all of the a lot of the coaches are current coaching now were in my training classes. Right? Those uh, you know, those Orange Theories, um, you know, from a business standpoint. Um, they're a spectacle. They're a marvel. People, um, you know, in the business world, you know, are absolutely huge fans of what Orange Theory was able to do. I believe it was like 1,300 total locations in only five years. Yeah. Um, nuts. Absolutely. And they have proprietary technology. Um, it's very hard to copy it. Many, many, many have tried. Everybody's trying to make the next Orange Theory um, as far as business goes. And it comes to the fitness world. I can think of like six different places off the top of my head that are trying to make their own version of it. Right. Right. Um, what's the most challenging part of trying to get, um, you know, coaches to perform at the level that orange theory standards are because they are very high seemingly. And, um, a lot of different personalities in the fitness world. You, you can't know? come into an orange theory class and be like subdued. You know, you gotta get the, you gotta get the energy going. They do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the atmosphere does it. Yep. You're absolutely right. Uh, so I was with orange theory for almost 10 years now. So I joined it when it was only four years old, and that was back when we made our own templates. Mm-hmm. We wrote our own workouts, um, and we did it. We they had a certain way to coach the class, but you got guy you got to decide how that went, right? So you had to decide how long the pushes, bases, all that stuff were. Uh, but then, as Orange Theory started to scale, they came out with uh, corporate templates, and trainers were up upset about that because he's like oh you're taking away our creativity no now, no special sauce exactly yeah, yeah. Now, now that makes what makes me that's why people come to my class mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well that is how you scale because orange theory realized that they were like okay this isn't roger theory this isn't bob theory this isn't joe theory this is orange theory so yeah. we need to make it uniform like starbucks you go to starbucks you get a cappuccino <laughs> on one corner you go to new york you get the same cappuccino should taste the same mm-hmm. it needs to be the same and so, though they upset most of the trainers, they're like, hey, if you don't like it, you can quit, go somewhere else. But Orange Theory's model and the way they pay coaches, it's very, it's, you don't have to sell. You don't have to go out and get new people. People just walk in the door. So, it's hard to leave Orange Theory as a fitness professional because, you know, you don't have to work to acquire new clients. They walk in the door. You just have to do a good enough job for them to sign up and then and stick around, right? And stick around and then you get... Uh, a nice consistent pay, which is also very rare in the fitness industry. Your your pay is always going to fluctuate with vacations and going out of town where Orange Theory gave trainers consistency. Mm-hmm. So they're able to keep and maintain high-level coaches, and then they made it uh, scalable by making it uniform, and that's how Orange Theory blew up really well. And then the next step, when I first joined, they had polar heart rate monitors. And <laughs> And for anybody who's in Orange Theory, like right now, everybody has their own heart rate monitor. But when Orange Theory first started, they came in and they had to charge your heart rate monitor and give out the pods and then collect it at the end of class. And it would recharge it. it. And recharge it. It yeah. was a mess. Heart rate monitors rarely ever worked. So Orange Theory quickly identified that they needed to come out with their own heart rate monitors, which was another huge step. And when they came out with their own heart rate monitors, no one else was, other. everyone else was just getting polars. So that's the reason why Orange Theory has been able to still dominate the market because they're always one step ahead of everyone else. And they realize that technology is always going to be changing. So they need to be the leader in technology and fitness. And they currently are. So everybody's on their coattails while Orange Theory is always thinking about the next step and the next step and the next step. And that's why Orange Theory is an amazing 
brand because they're always evolving. Don't get monotonous. Fitness, just like fitness, it's always changing. It's always a different way to work your abs. <laughs> it's just mm. a different way to, and as a trainer, if you want to just get old school, cool, but you're going to quickly become antiquated. All right. Whereas you need to evolve as technology and knowledge of the body continues to change and, and develop. Yeah. yeah. How much of that do you feel like is, um, and, I'm, and I'm like, I agree a hundred percent with all of these sentiments, but I think like a, um, you know, an, a devil's advocate here be like, well, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, there's a lot of trendy fitness stuff that looks like it's just going to be a trend. It's not going to stick. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, do you see the uh, orange theory is something that's going to last or do you feel like it's going to be another trend where people start to go like, you know, curves used to be the number one fitness franchise in the country. Do you know a single person that's using curves right now? Right. I don't know a single one, but you know, weight watchers. I mean, we can go on and on and on, but do you see orange theory uh, phasing or do you feel like it's only going to get stronger? All it depends on if they can continue to adapt and evolve. I'm with you. If the leadership and development team hits a plateau, so will the growth of Orange Theory, you know? And so that's what it comes down to is staying on the cutting edge of technology and staying ahead so that someone else doesn't come in and beat you and cut you off. With that model, if it's not broke, don't fix it. If that's the case, nail guns would never have been invented because there's nothing broke about a hammer. Right. It's true. It's a better tool. Yeah. It's not broken, it's but no, more efficient. it's more efficient. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's the, that's how things evolve. All yeah. right. It's not, it might not be broke, but there might be a more efficient way to get it done. Yeah. Do we still have hammers? Yeah. All right. Doing a push up. Does that work your triceps and chest? Yeah. But there's other ways to work your triceps and chest that might be more efficient. You can do so more don't resistance be, with a bench press. Exactly. Don't yeah. be afraid to evolve, even though something's not broken. If you were the CEO, I would say the 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 big thing with Orange Theory that I I personally noticed is you know back to what you were saying as far as hiring good people. When me and him first opened up our first store in Overland Park in 2016, the end of 2016, the beginning of 2017, you were coaching at that Overland Park store, and people would come into our store and they would just rant and rave about you. And you were like the dude at that at that store that everybody was talking about. This was you just getting started, right? So you were training at the time, right? Yeah, so I was, so Nicole was, I feel like our first manager. Yeah. Yeah. And then Melissa, I believe was the second manager. Yeah. You guys have amazing memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, less concussions. Melissa now owns do one. For you. Yeah. 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 Melissa, she owns the Shawnee location. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. We're two doors down, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> it's a small world. Right. But it yeah. was like, you know, it was people would come in and they'd be like, they had to go to your classes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody's raving about your classes. Specifically. And so for, for all the proprietary technology that, that, uh, Orange Theory has, I think that, you know, something that they do really good on the backside of things is they find good trainers like yourself, treat them the right way, pay them the right way, um, motivate them, you know, the right way. And it, it basically creates, you know, culture that goes beyond just, you know, this is where I go to work out. It's like a little tribe of people, absolutely, you know, absolutely. which are, which are, you know, in my opinion, the, the best, you know, fitness, fitness isn't just about, I'm going to go here on my burn calories. You have to have some kind of uh, tribe that you feel, um, in, you know, you, you can't, some you accountability can't let, there. Yeah, you yeah. can't let them down. Accountability. That, that's, that's what it is, is having workout partners. You're more accountable to do something if you have a, a group of people you're doing it with, you know, because everybody's going to have that day where they want to sleep in. Everybody's going to have that day when they want to skip. But if your boys, if your girls are going, and come on, let's go, then you're just going to drag it behind to the gym. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Orange Theory quickly realized that and they actually taught their coaches to try to create small communities, try to create bonds. Uh, That's part of the reason why they are so big on the refer and receive, uh, because not only are they going to get new members, but that member who referred two or three of their friends are more likely to stay longer 
because that now they have their friends there with them working out with them. So now it's more than just a workout. It's now in the social event. Yeah. The social events are addictive. Social events you don't want to give up on. Social events are fun. Mm-hmm. You know, besides a workout that just gets agonizing and boring after a while. Yeah, we sure. try to we try to institute that same community aspect in how we do things here, and um, it speaks to like we said, if anybody who's ever grown up playing sports, it's just that 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 group struggle. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like we all remember two a days. We all remember you know, the first times going through the hard things together. And when you do hard things together, man, you, you create a bond. And so, uh, what I was going to ask earlier when Kyle was discussing orange theory with you is when I interrupted you, sorry, you're good. dude. Uh, it, I'm just thinking, you know, you, you know, everything good comes to an end at some point. And, um, you know, you mentioned 10 years with orange theory and, and, um, parting ways. Was there anything about it that you would change in the sense of like, if you were the CEO of orange theory right now, is there something you'd institute that's just different from how they do things? No, uh, I left Orange Theory for my own personal growth. Um, I am an athlete. I love athletes. And like I said, I feel like God put me on this earth to help people have careers that are different than mine. Whereas Orange Theory catered more to the person who's trying to get their fitness goals or if not hit their fitness goals, trying to continue to uh, elevate and better the quality of life. There's no end goal, though. No, there's no it, their, per, their like, performance wasn't for a paycheck. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So whereas in sports, I get to live my athletic career once again uh, through those athletes I'm training. So I'm training them to play better on the field. I'm training them to to win the game, make all conference, make all state, make it to college. You know, there's goals. And I'm a very goal oriented person. And I realize that. I miss the competitive aspect of sports. And that's so therefore, I really wanted to get back to training athletes. Uh, I love Orange Theory. I still sub for Orange Theory. I, I, it's in my, I still take class whenever I can. Orange Theory, there's nothing wrong with Orange Theory. Orange Theory is great. And I still bleed a little Orange Theory. But now I'm with the University of Kansas, and now I'm helping uh, athletes uh, protect their bodies and get stronger while doing so. And that's really filling my cup. I now have get to work with athletes one-on-one, get to know them, get to mentor them, get to help them grow physically, mentally, and spiritually um, once again so that they just have an amazing life. And hopefully what I taught them can get passed down and they continue to do the same thing so I have a bigger impact. So Orange Theory is awesome, but the University of Kansas Sports uh, Sports Performance Center is where I'm at. Do you know, uh, you know what I would change about Orange Theory? <laughs> Tell us. Water rowers. Not a fan of water rowers. I'd uh, like a concept two rower in there personally. You know, for, for those the water rowers, just part of the secret sauce. For those who are listening, uh, we had Nathan Martin on the podcast last weekend, and uh, he uh, he played football with Roger for four years, mm-hmm. right next to At him the on the University of line. Missouri Western, and and he said that he could beat you <laughs> in a in, on a concept two when it comes to a rower. He said that you can row like a a minute ten. 500 meter row which is pretty impressive <laughs> absolutely i got it got down to a minute i got down to a minute and he said, you think you can beat me i'm, going, I'm, going, I'm, going. I'm just saying dude <laughs> that's absolutely what, uh, he texted me right up. before we did this i said dude give me some dirt on roger and he said well you should just say that i can beat him in a 500 meter row but it's got to be a concept too not a water rower hey listen uh he probably can right now my cardio is not where it needs to be okay but, <laughs> but for a 
minute 10. But 200 in a row is you. over. Okay. Yeah. It's over. He ain't <laughs> holding with me for 200. But for five, that's when cardio becomes a thing. Dude, and he's in better shape than either I. One I of give you, it to him. Either one of you guys doing a 200 meter row on a concept two, you might like completely break the machine with I, how hard you guys can pull I, I have broken two water rowers. I and believe pulled, that. Pulled the handles off before. So, what? How did you? Did you, did you like snap backwards? You yeah, go back I, I almost went through the glass behind me. I was like, <laughs> you saw a big old body torso print on the glass. And I was like, they we thought t- I had a concussion. Tested the glass that day. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was nuts. How but tall are you? I'm 6'3". Yeah, man. The the height the height and the power definitely makes a big difference on the rower, man. Yeah, I've learned to kind of ease into that first stroke instead of just going ham. Yeah. If you're not at Orange Theory, right, and you're not training at your performance center, have you tried out other gyms in Kansas City? And if so, what's your favorite? Uh, yeah, I've been I've been around. I haven't been to a lot of places because ever since I moved back to Kansas City, I was always affiliated with a fitness center. So what, when I first first came back to Kansas City, I was working for KU as a strength coach for their football team. So I had a free gym there, you know. And then mm-hmm. I did Orange Theory as well. So and then I switched. But I had Genesis uh, for a while when I left KU. And Genesis is a cool gym. It's nice. I don't have anything bad to say about any uh, fitness places in here. It's just Which location was it at that you were going to most, most consistent? Initially, it was the Lee Summit location. I want to say Lee Summit West. We, Lee Summit West mm-hmm. location. And then one of the many that the, used to be like a 24 exactly. Apex or a, yeah. Exactly. Genesis, man, they, they, they destroy the competition. I'm like, how, much, how did you get <laughs> so much money yeah. to buy out every gym in the city? Like, what? There's a lot of insiders that would give you all kinds car- of fun answers to that. It's, it's car lots. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm from Wichita, which is where the Stevens Spangles, Spangles Fast Food. Yeah. Isn't that their other their <laughs> other business? They don't, the Spangles doesn't make money in comparison to those car lots. Okay, that makes sense. I'm like, how do you get that capital to buy out gold? Let me give you a good example. Uh, the one on Shawnee Mission Parkway, they bought that one a long time ago as, long, as well as the World Gyms, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they closed the one on Shawnee Mission Parkway immediately. And then paid zero taxes on it. And it's in tax court right now. And he just won't pay the taxes on it. So because it's in tax court, no one else can move in to the spot. So it's insulating competition. So no one else can open a gym there, even though it's like a phenomenal location. And it's right down the street from his other location. Mm. But like there's all kinds of friends that want to open that gym and they just can't because it's in. They're just waiting for someone to pay the taxes on that property. And they're not paying it. You know what? Pretty much. Pretty amazing. Those guys probably killed it in Monopoly when they were little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, seriously, they were Monopoly geniuses. Like, we, yeah, they're they're thinking of things way ahead before. Like, I'm like, how does that even happen? How do you buy a building that big and then just be like, ah, don't feel like paying and somehow drag it out? You know what I mean? I have no idea how it works, but I have several friends that would love to turn into that location, but they're like, now it's just beyond repair. That makes right, sense. It's been exactly. sitting idle for so long. There's like rats running around in there and stuff. So I love that you know Spangles. What like people it, tell me that that's what they own. Yeah, I've never been to Spangles. I love you that. Have? They, of, yeah. of course, I'm from have Wichita, you, dude. I'm today years old here about Spangles. Yeah, yeah. Spangles. yeah, it's a Wichita thing. It's a fast food restaurant, apparently, like a steak and shake or something. Nah, yeah, kind of. They have like everything you know you could imagine. They have like turkey pitas, and then they have like burgers, and then they have. I last time I was there, I've never even been to a place. With a I noticed pita. that you can buy uh, like margaritas through the drive-through. I was like, "That's interesting." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You can go whichever you need, I guess, at Spangles. Yeah, I got, I got my kids some nugs at, uh, at, at Spangles. That's how I knew that. I love that. You can get a margarita through the drive-thru. That's actually Kim a pretty strong like, business model. Kim was like, it's Friday. Should I order a margarita through the drive-thru? I was like, nah, we probably shouldn't. I don't trust it. As long as you don't <laughs> you say that, now it's, like, it's Tuesday it. at noon. Yeah. What Should we? Roger, anyway. what's your what's your diet like since uh, getting out of the NFL, man? Like, uh, I know in the NFL, a lot of offensive linemen, they go from, like, the feeling of having to stuff their face to, like, maintain weight to, like, feeling, like, a little relaxed that you don't have to eat as much. See, the problem is with me is my metabolism doesn't exist. So <laughs> it was never hard for me to put on weight. I've never, uh, throughout college, I promise i didn't take any protein because i went division two and it wasn't for free and so therefore it wasn't for me no creatine no nothing my freshman year i gained 80 pounds no kidding for the, the only one reason the dining hall the dining hall, <laughs> the dining hall. <laughs> no, seriously I, every meal was an all-you-can-eat buffet exactly what are we doing here all you can eat for breakfast lunch and dinner i said challenge accepted yeah yeah <laughs> so absolutely so i i ate a lot and then shoot after so I would eat all you can eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then around around eleven or twelve o'clock at midnight, I would go to Wendy's back when they still had the dollar menu, and I would get seven dollar double cheeseburgers and put those down every single night. I promise, I probably put down like five thousand calories a day. I believe those were called. Uh, <laughs> let me just let me get back to my fat heritage. Um, my double stack. Fat yeah, heritage. yeah, double stack. Yeah, the double stack. Yeah, <laughs> the double stack. Double stack Wendy's cheeseburger. Double stack or a double. junior bacon cheese. Yeah, for seven dollars. <laughs> Seven dollars, a two thousand calorie meal for seven. And some bonus nuggets. You didn't just not get five nuggets for a dollar, right? You Every got once in a while, if I want to switch it up, if I want to treat myself, be a little fancy, get some nuggets on the side. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm not. I'm above nothing on on a Wendy's. I've been, dude. I had truly like, I'm not uh, above any fast food, but I just haven't had Wendy's in forever. I live downtown now, and so like you realize, like if you don't if you don't live near uh, the convenience of fast food, you don't really go out of your way to get it. Exactly. I, I don't, I, I still eat it every once in a while, but only for convenience. Exactly. The last time I went to a Taco Bell, I remember being like, I can't believe that people still come here because of how expensive it was. This was just like three months ago. We went through exactly. or something like maybe a month ago. And how it was low just, quality of food is. I was just like mind blown <laughs> that like my girlfriend and I ate there and it was like $24. And I was like, dude, I'm used to spending $8. I'm not talking to you. What? I'm not talking to you. What are you saying? I'm not talking about <laughs> you, dog. I know what? your code. <laughs> you probably, probably, probably looked up my uh, my calorie intake. No. <laughs> <laughs> On what? It like, actually comes down to 8,000 calories. This is what, Speaking seven, of, this is, is this you eating a football? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> Since no. we're talking about it's made a pig being able to uh, to eat a lot of food, that's you eating a football. Yeah, I'm so I figured that was like uh, a good picture to throw up uh, with this conversation. Did Dude, you guys have? Uh, we had mandatory for people that are underweight. When I was playing football, they'd make you uh, have two meals and they'd do meal checks on you. And I remember one time I came into uh, I I came into football and I was. I think it was like two fifteen or something, and I was supposed to be heavier than that. And they made me check my check how many meals I was eating every t- every morning for breakfast. And I was like, "This kind of sucks." That's a little people problem. Yeah. I, didn't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have that problem. Ah, I bet yeah. you played with offensive linemen that did yeah, though. Yeah, for sure. It was actually the other way around. Yeah. So like, so if you got too heavy, so when I was in, oh the yeah, NFL, we had some of those too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I was in the, in the NFL, if you were too heavy, you got found. Find I believe it was four hundred dollars per pound. You're over your 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 goal weight. Yeah, four hundred dollars per pound. 
So, yeah, I was never overweight, but I had to watch what I eat only for that reason because I could have easily gotten huge. Uh, I played with Carl Nix uh, at the Saints and the the, uh, Buccaneers, and Carl was, no joke, every bit of 380 pounds. And his goal weight, I think, was 340. (laughs) Oh, wow. So, Carl was – What's 40 grand, though, right? Or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But Carl was getting <laughs> fights with the strength coach. He's like, I ain't weighing in today. <laughs> so I, ain't, I, ain't weigh, I haven't gotten a son of you. I ain't weighing in today. Carl, get on the scale. Literally, I, I seen him and That's Sean so Payton funny. getting into a screaming match because they Sean Payton wanted him to get on the scale. I was like, after, I, I ain't weighing in. Oh. I'm weighing after practice. <laughs> yeah. They're trying uh, to take money from this man. Exactly. Yeah. He, he knew he probably went a little too hard last night, and he was going to be a little. He's plump. like, yeah. <laughs> Back to did, these did you days. like playing with uh, Sean Payton? I was to say Sean Payton now the Broncos head coach. What do you think's in tune for Denver? Uh, sh- hey, he could do big things. Sean had a great job of letting people be themselves, and yet at the same time giving them a structure that's going to be successful. So, um, did you see him hitting that bong over the weekend? <laughs> did he really? Yeah. What? Are you serious? Yeah. What? Pull it up, Luke. Pull it hey, up, Luke. Hey, hey, as long as it's hey, in a legal in, state. He's it's in legal. California. Was, hey, uh, Colorado. He was in Colorado, or if he, if he was at the draft in Missouri, it didn't matter. It's recreational. Exactly. But the, the point that everybody's making is like, what are we still doing here making these players get suspended for, for, for testing positive for THC when the head coach is crushing a bomb <laughs> for is- everybody to see? Dang. Well, wait, wait. The more disturbing thing is that kid right next to him looks like he's nineteen or for sure. Well, he's he's, probably, he's, he's hanging out with his son. True, truly, it might just be his son or like one of his, you know, his buddy's sons or something. I mean, he's just at somebody's house. Wow, hitting that bomb, bro. If you're Sean Payton, if you're doing that, you're looking around and you're making. Hey, put your cell phones away. No cell phones out right now. Carl, Carl Nix can't even can't even wait to after practice to step on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's over here just crushing a bong and probably having the munchies. But it's just, I mean, dude, um, that's not to take anything away from Sean Payton. Obviously, right. he's a Super Bowl winning head coach and an offensive genius, seemingly. Um, but, like, you know, with this offense, I mean, Russell Wilson is not Drew Brees. So I don't know how he's going to plan on doing this, but a whole lot of running game and play action. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, Russell Wilson was pretty freaking good. You yeah, said he, was. You he said was. it. Yeah, you said he, was. And actually, Russell Wilson, uh, also another guy with great work ethic. Um, why he had the uh, abysmal season he had with the Broncos, I don't know. There's a lot, of, but you know that coach who's from Kansas City, uh, I think, coach? had a lot to do with it. Denver's coach that they, they fired. Hackett? Yeah, he was from Kansas City. Correct. Yeah. When? I thought he was a Bronco. I thought he was a Packers guy. No, he he grew up in Kansas ah, City. Ah, my bad. Okay. I have no clue where he came from, what coaching tree he <clears> came <throat> from. I'm just saying that he grew up in Kansas City. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for the Chiefs, I hope Sean Payton doesn't do <laughs> amazing things. But, yeah. Do you he's, follow he's the NFL coach. now as a fan? Uh, I follow the Chiefs. I like that. You know, and I, I realize I'm not actually a huge fan sure. of sports. I am a participant. Right. Like, like I That's either, a lot of people say that exactly. That have played. I, I'm a gladiator. Like I want to be the guy. I want to be the person in the ring. I want to be the person playing the game. So I have a hard time sitting around and watching uh and nothing or nothing against it. Obviously can't have it without the fans, but for me it's not fun. Right. Like, I just get anxiety and I just am sitting there critiquing everybody who's playing. Yeah. Oh, you should do this, you should do that. So um 
Instead, I'm more of a, a dork. I, for re- recreation, I play video games. I, I like to listen to classical music. I like to, you know, work out, do things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I don't really follow players. I don't follow teams. I'm a hometown guy. I love Chiefs my entire life. So that's pretty the only team I follow. And even then, I don't follow very well, very closely. When you were a little kid, though, you were a fan, right? Uh, yeah, the in a sense of like a fan of the fan. <laughs> yeah, the were, you, yeah. were you more of an because you were an offensive lineman? I remember you know first getting into football and, and like they put me on the offensive line. I'm like, man, you know, there's no glory, right? right? And so you're like, oh, put me where I can, you know, make it more of an impact that people would notice more or less. And um, so I was really into defense, right? Were you a were you a Derek Thomas fan? Oh yeah, Derek Thomas was a man. Derek Thomas was a man. Um, well, and I, I was a huge Derek Thomas fan. I was a huge fan of the Chiefs whenever I was playing with the Chiefs. Uh, whenever I was playing in high school and in college, uh, that's when uh, Priest Holmes was the, the running back. And so mm-hmm. they had, he had that amazing offensive line with Brian Waters and Will, Will Shields, Will Shields yeah. and Willie Rofe and, and Wegman. And that was a crazy offensive line. And so I followed those guys and tried to emulate those guys how when I played. And I remember uh, when I got to the NFL, I got to uh, train with Will Shields, and that was like the highlight of my career, my life, my career at the time, just because I watched that guy play for so long, and then he taught me some tips. So was, was he the most impressive as far as offensive lineman that you got to play next to or or train with? Uh, the most impressive thing about Will is by the time I got to train with him, I think he was like five years retired, and he could still do the horizontal splits. Oh, oh my gosh. Talk about that mobility and limberness you're talking about, I'm man. I'm saying. I'm yeah. trying to tell you. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you. Flexibility Mobility is key. make a big difference. Yeah, mobility is longevity of career. Yeah. No matter the sport, stay mobile, stay flexible. Come train with us. Uh, shameless plug. Come <laughs> train with us as a Hell sports yeah. performance, <laughs> and we will help you stay and, strong and, and, and dude, mobile. Dude, like, uh, you know, I know that, you know, Tom Brady's trying to make money calling it the TB12 method, but I feel like it speaks to a lot of what you're talking about as far as his pliability methods, right? Exactly. And it's like Tom Brady played 45 and like when he was like 38 years old he said i think i'm gonna play till i'm 45 and everybody was like you would be the first ever that would do it at a high level you know vinnie testaverde tried right right but like he was obviously not even in the top you know third of yeah. quarterbacks when it's he was to trying do to do it as a starter like you're starting that many games you're starting like there's been guys played backup yeah Best, but you're protecting your body. At 43-44, leading the league in touchdowns. That's crazy. I remember growing up, like, uh, Warren Moon, he played till he was, like, what, 41 or 42? Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, thinking, oh, my God, that guy's ancient out there, you know? Totally. For, for a football player. And, dude, right. at the time, you know? he was. Yeah. yeah, he really was. There was. It was unlike anybody else at the time. Yeah, yeah, no, one else, no one else went that far, man, not even Joe Montana. But once no again, one went that high. once again, Moon was a backup for yeah. several of those seasons. Like what Brady did, being a starter and winning that many Super Bowls, going to that many uh, playoff uh, appearances, turning the Buccaneers around the way he did. Like him and Gronk showed up and is a hundred percent one eighty. I'm like, hey, you can't say he's not the goat. He is. No he doubt. put the stamp on it. Yeah, you no know doubt. what? And as a Chiefs I, I fan, like I was about to say, as a Chiefs I, I, I fan, I like hate Brady. Brady. <laughs> but I real recognize his real. And yeah. That dude was real. It's yeah. crazy. You 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 get in the league, right? Your your first season, he's already been playing for ten years. That's yeah. crazy, right? Exactly. He's exactly. already played ten years. It's nuts, man. I was uh so so you've played for a handful of head coaches, and I want to talk because you know, dude. I mean, like you've had some incredible leaders in your life, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that you talk about Drew Brees because of his leadership as a player. And then you have leadership as coaches. What When you get to professional sports, right, you have coaches that 
excel at such a high level at the collegiate level, right? Like a Nick Saban, mm-hmm. arguably one of the best college head coaches of all time. Then you have, and then you have your other uh, head coaches that you think of that didn't do well in the NFL, and he's one of them, right? He went for the Dolphins. I remember he got paid the most money in all of all of professional football, and he just totally bombed, right? And then you got what's his name, uh, Brian, the Eagles head coach that w- came from uh, Oregon. No, 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 Oregon. Um, Oregon, Oregon uh, had a head coach that you know he ran that crazy offense, and tried to bring it to the Eagles, and it didn't work. Oh, mm-hmm. the guy oh, yeah. that said Notre Dame. Yeah, now? then he went to Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Brian, I can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see him because now he's at LSU. Yeah, but anywho, that that there was just a couple of head coaches that they you know they they make that jump right, and right now we just had our our, our recent um, you know failure at this would be Cliff Kingsbury. Um, what's his name? Brian Kelly. There you go. So, what is the difference? Is it like my my I guess my real genuine serious question here is just is the leadership at a head coach level does it matter as much as it does at the collegiate level? Do you feel inspired? You know, whenever you're getting paid versus when you're not, right? Yeah, so the leadership absolutely matters at the professional level. Um, the head coach kind of sets the standard. You know, the head coach once again is is like the manager of the of the team. He's not the one calling the plays usually. <laughs> some some head coaches are defensive coordinators or, or offensive coordinators, but a lot of times if they're not that, they are the person who kind of sets the direction and trajectory of the of the team, and most importantly, the culture. He, he's a culture setter, all right? And then he gives everybody else their jobs, their roles, the, what they need to do. Uh, so if the culture is not great, the culture of working hard is not great or co- culture of having fun is not great, then it's going to affect how the team plays. Perfect example, Sean Payton. He was really big on playing hard, balling out. But if you play hard, you ball out, have fun when you're doing it, let you have your swagger. Uh, Let you be you, you were saying, right? Exactly. So I played my first year with the Rams was with uh, Steve uh, Spagnuolo. Steve Spagnuolo. Defensive Uh, coordinator of the Chiefs, Chiefs, probably listening. Exactly. But it was his first time head coaching at this time. It was his very first time. And he was very old school, uh, hard nosed. The four pillars, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Exactly. Two days were still a thing. And uh, had Tucker's shirt in. Uh, You're uh, at practice. Like you couldn't have your undershirt out. And you got to keep in mind, you're talking to grown men, grown men, you know, and, we're, and we're he playing. doesn't have the, the, he doesn't have like, just to be fair for everybody listening, I'm so sorry to interject right, no here. Problem. He doesn't have the, this like, you know, streak. He's not Bill Belichick. Right. And so when you're trying to be Bill Belichick, when you're not Bill Belichick, the players aren't going to believe in you. And even Bill Belichick didn't do that. See, okay. So you got to let grown men be grown men. You got to let people have their personality, especially these guys who have huge inflated egos. Okay. If you guy has a huge inflated ego, do you go in and you pop it right away? All depends. Is that ego detrimental to the team? If it's not, if he's still doing his job, doing it well, being a team player, but is full of himself. Hey, ego, <laughs> ego can help. Like, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Exactly. It can will that's, how, that's how he contributes. Yeah, yeah. That's how he has confidence. So you let him be him as long as it's not detrimental to the team. You know what sure. I mean? So, um, and that's, that's the, that's how you create a culture that is, uh, excels in the NFL. Whereas in high school or in college, you're dealing with 18 to 23. You're, uh, you need a young dictator man. almost. Yeah. You need, you need to, you need to show them how to work. You need to, Hey, this is my way. You know what I mean? By the time you're 24 and above, 
you're a grown man. You kind of know how you got to the highest level. You have to have some kind of work ethic about you. You don't need to be micromanaged. Yeah. Whereas in college, yeah, you need to micromanage those boys. Otherwise, they're going to lose their mind because this is the first time they've had freedom, right? They just got out of their parents' house. They're grown men. They got uh, everybody thinking they're all that in a bag of chips. So, you know, they're going to be easily distracted. So college, you have to be structured. Once you get to the NFL, it should be a little less structured. Let people have uh, some freedom. So perfect example like and nothing against spags spags was dope it's just it was a little too regimented didn't work right so it didn't last that long the rams is better coordinator now right so um i go to the to the saints completely relaxed they just came off of super bowl and still relaxed cool let people be them but man practice was fast practice was sharp Big guys had super oversized shirts on and like spatted up all this swaggy gear on. But when practice happened, we were running around, we're flying around, we're sharp in between plays, joking around, laughing, having fun. Yeah. Right. So when you but look the standards at standards, stayed high, standards stay high. Hey, when it's time to work, lock it in work. When it's not time not to work, have fun, chill, relax, mm-hmm. have fun. Right. Um, and then when I went to the Panthers, it was also very similar. And do you remember who the head coach was then? Ron Rivera. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's a beast. Yeah, exactly. Ron mm-hmm. Rivera. Let us be us. Also, Ron Rivera is a former player. You know, he played linebacker for a long time in the NFL. So he knew how it was. He knew not to stifle uh, guys and make it work. Don't make it work. Make it fun. If you make it fun, guys are going to work harder. Right. And then I went to the Buccaneers. And Greg Schiano. <laughs> Greg he, Schiano. he was the example of uh, the, the 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 another Steve Spagnuolo, right? It worse. Was, was he, he at was, Boise he State was Steve before? Spagnuolo on like on a hundred hundred times. Yeah. And the uh, most like hard headed dude possible, right? He told this. Uh, he got he, fired after one season, if I remember after, correctly. After after three seasons, two okay. seasons. Uh, he, got, he got two in. I think he got two, and but he he would not let us wear our hoodies. He got he got rid of all the hoodies in the facility. Because he didn't want anybody to put their hoodie up during meetings. Like, so no one could actually have a hood on their stuff. I'm like, if you want to say no hoodies up there, just say, don't wear it. Put your hoodie up during the meeting. No. Yeah. He's like, no, get them all out of here. <laughs> so the whole facility didn't have a single hoodie. All right. We had sweater, sweaters, but they didn't have a hood. Yeah. Crewnecks uh, only. Yeah, crew, exactly. <laughs> and he just had a bunch of like little rules like that. Like you couldn't could put ever put your hands on your hips. But he would always walk around with his hands on his hips. You know, it, it was stuff like that that just would, You like, set yourself up to get, you know, attacked when, when you're doing when something When you're going to be like a that. heavy critic, just expect the finger to be pointing back at you. Exactly. I, and then most importantly, like, if you want to be controlling about things that matter. Right. Yeah. Don't be controlling about a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. Like, if... And they're, but, but Greg, Shiano, like, to their point, let me hear me out on this, because we, we talk about leadership all the time, right, right, with our staff and so forth. And I love these kind of conversations because these guys obviously have gotten paid a lot of money to create these, you know, these cultures. And you're like, you know, his his whole thing was to try to convince you that the hood mattered. Right. Right. And you're right, like, exactly. it just doesn't matter to me, dog. Like, it's not getting through, you know. Right. And so um, Steve Spagnolo, um, you know, just from being a fan, the amount of times that I had to hear about these four pillars that he had of like what a player had to be if you're going to be on the Rams. And it was just like, it was way more about character. It was way more about how, what you did in your personal life than it was about how you played football. And when Jeff Fisher came in and he started drafting guys like Janoris Jenkins, everybody's like, well, that was the last pillar being driven off out of here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because of like, just they're let those guys be there, be themselves. Right? right. And I just wonder, you know, 
how is it like that a guy like Greg Schiano or again we talk about Nick Saban, which it's so hard to listen to Nick Saban talk and not be like that dude's right about everything because mm-hmm. he is such a good speaker. And it's like, how does it that players don't buy in at the professional level to what these guys have to say? And I guess it's because they're already successful. They've already made it no. in quotes, maybe? No, I don't know. dude. What do you think it is? In my, in my opinion, it's 100%. It's not about what Nick Saban says. It's about what the best players on the team says. So Nick Saban pulls the best players in on the team and says these are going to be the standards. I'd appreciate if you guys need your hold help these enforcing stand- these, yeah, yeah. In- enforce these standards, and then those guys enforce the standards. Nick Saban doesn't AKA enforce the standards. The number two, the number two, yeah, you're that, right, which you're is Tom Brady right. at the at the at the uh, Patriots, Patriots right? right? Is that pretty much like on the teams? But then again, you can't have like you were saying. You can't your standards can't be to the point where it's like, all right, guys, this is stupid. Exactly, because <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to get those captains to buy in on it. Yeah. And if the captains don't even agree with it, then the captains aren't going to help you enforce it. And therefore, you're not going to have any power with the team. I, I feel like Spagnuolo's got to understand that a lot better now because you think of like Frank Clark and like Chris exactly. Jones, like those guys, like you you watch them play. He's a totally different coach than when I got in my rookie year. Like now yeah. he's learned. And just like a player, coaches learn. They <laughs> realize what works and what doesn't work. They get to work with other head coaches and see how the other head coaches are being successful. And they're like, okay, if they ever get the opportunity, I'm going to do things a little differently. Mm-hmm. And some people are just better college coaches than they are professional. Right. Some people are just better at Their message resonates with those young dudes exactly right that's what you're saying it's like dude i've already made it i'm a grown man like i've already proved myself that i belong i belong here don't talk to me like i don't exactly right like exactly. don't don't pretend like I'm, I'm gonna get cut because like i wear a hood or something like that like come on you know right. so that's man it's just it's wild to think about um the levels of success right because we all know these things matter in quotes but it's like which levers do you want to pull here which what hill do you want to die on right exactly, right exactly like, that's I not the hill to die nice. on yeah. yeah man that's the battle not the war don't 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 go to bat because you need guys to show up five minutes earlier they're late or send them home it's like they got here on time dude you know what's it's the weird. What, what's the coolest thing that ever happened to you in the nfl like what's the what's the moment that stands out where you're like holy shit i'm in the nfl <laughs> hmm uh, it was probably the first time I saw double vision. So, so I uh, I was with the Rams, and uh, I'll fast forward through this uh, story. But long story short, short uh, there was a huge D lineman. I forget his name at the time. He came from another another team. He was a seven eight year veteran, but he was a solid 350, 360 pounds, but five eleven. You know, so remember he's what a, team this was? He had bowling ball. This uh, this was with the Rams. I'm saying against. It was he on the Rams as well. Yeah, he was on the Rams too. Yeah. So we had a in in a team scrimmage. Claude Roten. Uh, Oh, that's know. my guess. Sorry, <laughs> right, right, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, tell the story. So he, uh, he said, so long story short, like Ka- Kalen Saunders. <laughs> that's, that's a Chiefs player. Yeah. Well, of course, I'm just saying the body same type. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, I, my job was to trap him. So he runs upfield unblocked, and then I clothesline him, or, or blindside him, and um, so the play goes off. I'm look down the line before the play goes. I'm like, okay, he doesn't see me. So I'm, I'm about to light him up. And so the play goes, and he runs upfield. But being the veteran D lineman he is, he stops, realizes nobody's touched him, and turns around and looks dead at me. <laughs> and I'm running full speed. I was like, oh, he saw me. So I still, I still keep going. And he smiles and leans, leans right into me. And I hit him and just collapse to my ground. And I'm trying to block him from my knees. Just ah. <laughs> When I hit him, my helmet literally turned sideways, and I'm looking through my eye hole, and my face mask is on the side of my face, and buckles go everywhere, and the play goes, and 
he just laughs at me and walks away. And I get up, my whole side of my face hurt, and I literally see double vision. At that time, I've never seen double vision in my life. I was like, oh, I'm thinking my eye hurt, so I thought my eye fell out of my my, my head. <laughs> so we finished the play and uh, the series, and I go up to the sideline, and I take my helmet off. I was like, tell me the truth. Is my eye still in my head? <laughs> I don't yeah, want to feel fine. it. Yeah, I was like, you just let me know if I need to go to the trainer right now. He was like, yeah, you're fine, but. That was the welcome to the NFL moment. It was like, man, is even it, even if you think you better light dude up now, veterans, that's why they're veterans is they know exactly what's going to happen yeah. before it happens based off of just uh, small little hints. Man, I've had a, I've had such a um, I love hearing these stories for sure, and it's just it's the perspective of just like man, like you know what it takes to obviously make it to the professional level, the hard work that goes into it. And I also follow just, I'm just a fan of sports, right? So I like, I mean, I follow all sports and just the, uh, the ups and downs of everybody. But the XFL obviously has got its, you know, third stint uh, mm-hmm. this season. And uh, it's performing relatively well as far as so far. And uh, this is the first year where it's owned by The Rock and promoted by The Rock. And um, I don't know if you follow that league enough or what, but. Jeff's um, trying to get you in the XFL. That's not true. That's <laughs> no. not true. But uh, but no, what I'm trying to get at, dude, is like this is a this is a cool thing to me because it's uh, from a sports sp- perspective, but also oh. a business perspective. Mm-hmm. And I'm a really big fan of business. As in, like I literally watch what businesses are doing, how they're doing it, um, what they're promoting, where the value is, all that. And so the XFL, I thought in my head, you know, prior to the Rock owning it, like this is the only way this would work. And the rock is killing it. I feel like in exactly the way that he's marketing it. And so, do you know the number that they retired in the XFL? Mm-mm. There's only one number that's already retired. He hate me. No, oh, dude. Sorry. <laughs> that's that's the name. What's he hates me real name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I believe it was Rod Smart. And that, that's the one thing they should bring back. Panther. <laughs> they should bring back yeah, the, nickname. bring back. the nicknames. Yeah. But uh, no, what he did so unique is he retired the number fifty four. Is that Rock's number? It was his number, maybe, but it's more about what it represented, and that was the the la- the first guy to not make the team, because fifty three make the team, right in the NFL, and he retired fifty four because the XFL is littered with nothing but a bunch of dudes that clearly couldn't make a team, but because of circumstances or a certain situation of a team they're on or whatever it may be, they were the first to get cut, and uh, they didn't That's make, dope. and they have nowhere else to go. You know, and there's no other place for them to go. And I want to say that your fifth preseason that you mentioned, you easily could have found a home on an XFL team and kept playing for money and, and been able to, you know, extend your career a little longer and uh, play through some injuries and show yourself and maybe, you know, get back in the NFL the following season or so. But there's nowhere to go where you can get seen. Yeah. And uh, I love that that The Rock has truly started the, like by saying, hey, we're not the NFL right off the bat. Right. We're not really trying to compete with the NFL but we have a lot of players that are really damn good players right now and there's nowhere for them to go. And so uh, that's why he retired 54. And then we have guys like uh, help me out. I'm now I'm blanking on a name, but the quarterback of, uh, you know, for Alabama that won two national titles, oh, AJ McCarron McCarron is over here in, and uh, like talk about a perfect scenario. AJ McCarron went out one, two, like huge comeback wins to start the season with the St. Louis battle Hawks. And they were interviewing him like, Hey man, like, you were obviously like a really good backup. He was a backup for the Bengals the season prior. Um, you know, second string quarterback making five times as much money in the NFL. Why the hell are you playing in the XFL? And he's like, dude, I want my kids to see me play. 
I'm tired of watch, having my kids watch me hold a clipboard. Like, I've made enough money, dude. I'm here to play. Right. And so it's cool because the XFL is going to survive, in my opinion, based on the quality of the quarterback play. It's it's a fun, entertaining product to watch if you watch it, you know. And right. so it's just cool to see it happen. But I was going to ask your opinion on, um, with that sentiment of the 54, you know, do you see yourself, if you had had an XFL back in that final season where you got cut from fifth preseason, you know, would you have gone and thought, you know what, I would have loved to have played somewhere else? Absolutely. I would have. Uh, I thought about Canada for a while, but I didn't want to go that far away from family mm-hmm. um, and to beat up my body. But if XFL was local or if they had another uh, league, I definitely would have played uh, or attempted to play a couple more seasons. Uh, still have more in me. Shoot, I, the, I want to say four years after I retired, I watched one football game a season. That was just the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that was just because I was so jaded, you know, from so play. hard. You know, it's it's hard uh, stepping away from the game, a game you played for so long and seeing people who you played with or, like I said, seeing your backups take your job and then continue to play and realizing that could have been you. It was just it was hard. So I, I stopped playing. I stopped watching for a long time. So I, uh, I definitely would have wished that would have uh, available, but once again, it w- wasn't in the cars. It wasn't what God had planned for me. I had better things planned for me, so and I'm happy. Like you said earlier, it's like you know, you put yourself in this position where now you can actually, you know, put you know younger athletes in a better position, and that's what you know, really, what life's about, right? Improve things to where people below you can absolutely have a better opportunity. Exactly, pay the way. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I'd ask you, ask of you in this is like there are the players that do go on and play, you know, Canadian football, right. Or they'll play, you know, back way back in the day, NFL Europe. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a guy, for example, that I met this morning, uh, at a men's group I meet with on Thursdays at seven and his name's Dalton, Dalton Shoning. He actually just won rookie of the year for Canadian football league. Yeah. He's a wide receiver. And, uh, he played at K state was really good at K state, went to a few camps. He, he was with the chiefs. He was with the chargers. He was with the Redskins and they were called the Redskins. And, um, you know, he just didn't understand why he couldn't make a team, right? So he goes and plays in Canada and crushes, right? Wins rookie of the year. He might have even won offensive player of the year. Um, And he's back in the CFL this year. Doesn't even get a call. Hmm. He's not even at a camp or anything, you know? Do you understand, like, do you have any idea, just from the inside of, you know, having an agent, playing professional sports, why do they write they write you off when you go and play in another league? Like I don't understand how you can be that talented, be that young, and not even get a look. It's all off based off of uh, quality of competition. So you might do really, really well, but if they don't think you win against high quality competition, then I you might not get a look. Also, if it's more about your tangibles, you know, is he really fast? Mm-hmm. You know, can he jump really high? Is he tall? What's know? the upside basically of the athlete? Exactly, like. Ha- once he gets in our league, how will he continue to be a standout? Or mm-hmm. will he just fall into the wash? And at that point, uh, you also, the longer you play, you know, the higher, the more expensive you are. Mm-hmm. Every year, uh, the rookie minimum or the league minimum goes up about $100,000. So, Do you know about the, the veteran adjusted average, though? No. These new contracts. So, I mean, I'm not here to try to be a know-it-all i'm just saying that this is a new thing that's really cool to help veterans so for example Jarek mckinnon right we just signed him yesterday we re-signed Jarek mckinnon for a third year and Jarek mckinnon is worth 1.5 1.7 million but the veteran minimum right is is around that much but against the salary cap it hurts the salary cap right to sign mm-hmm. a veteran over a rookie 
And they know that and it hurts veterans. So they let the salary cap get adjusted based on the minimum versus you signing them for 1.7. Does that make sense? So, so, so Jarrett McKinnon's um, um, only going to count a million against the salary cap, but he's going to get paid 1.7. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So they've done that with the last bargaining agreement, you know, within the players union versus the NFL. Extremely smart. That's extremely smart. To help the veterans out. Exactly. That's what happened to me. Uh, you know, same similar thing. Part of the reason why I didn't get a uh, call back is I reached my four, my fourth year. You know, I was more expensive than a rookie. So mm-hmm. why buy? And it's why, like considerable, right? Yeah, it's like exactly. five hundred grand or exactly. three hundred grand or something. Exactly. Why mm-hmm. buy damaged goods when you can get a brand new car? Uh, even though it might not be as good, you know, it's brand new. And you know, let's try it out. And yeah, yeah a third of the price or whatever it may be. Exactly. Yeah. They're looking Wild. at upsides. They're like, well, we can, you know. This person you, doesn't have the experience, but, you know, they have the intangibles. The did you exactly. play with any pure effort guys that, like, were able to make a team purely – like a, Rudy? I, I think of a – no, I can think of, like, a Danny Amendola, who was, like, an undrafted free agent, couldn't make it on the Cowboys, and then he goes on and plays for 10 years. Yeah, shoot. He gets cut by the Cowboys. Danny Amendola was – didn't have the intangibles. He wasn't tall. You know, wasn't super I mean. fast, but he was – Might as well have been Rudy. But here's the problem. Here's the thing. Danny was quick. And Danny was with me with the Rams. Yeah. Uh, he, I won't say it was his third season, but mm-hmm. he joined us like mid-season. And led and the team in catches. Exactly. My, I remember uh, his very first uh, week, my line coach came and says, I really like this kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally he's so scrappy and just shifty. And, and I saw Danny play. I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to be playing for a while. Because uh, though he did not look amazing on paper, and when you look at his stats, how he played was totally different. And he just hopped up every single time, didn't lay on the ground, didn't talk a lot of trash. He just caught the ball, <laughs> hop Kept up, going. And, and go back to the hoe. So um, that's what helped Danny to last. So back to the guy in Canada, mm-hmm. you know, does he have that? Does he have uh, the shiftiness. There has to be something. Can you get open like that, exactly. right? Exactly. There yeah. has to be something special about you, about what you do. Even if you score a lot of touchdowns, is it just because you're the best receiver on the team so the quarterback targets you a lot? Like, that might be why you're you're balling. You know, you just might be in the right program, but in, in, once you go to the NFL, you really can't hang with anyone else who's at the same caliber. So that's why sometimes a person at a lower level still doesn't get a shot you know, uh, same reason why, you know, Division Two guys will not get drafted but get signed uh, to the NFL because you're not going against the same caliber athlete. So I might have been an All-American, but an All-American <laughs> Division Two is not the same as All-American. Right. At, uh, Let's see at camp and see how you do against it, everybody else. Exactly. Huh? That's your same level. That's cool, man. Very cool. That's very cool. You're in a spot, dude, where you, you're obviously with some really fun up-and-coming athletes, right? Is there any names you should plug that we feel like we should be keep an eye on that you're excited about that are coming through the ranks right now at your performance center? Well, uh, Ryan Mueller is actually, it's funny you mentioned. Yeah, uh, dude, he shops with us. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so Ryan Mueller is actually currently. Uh, going for the uh, XFL X- championship, yeah, right? He, he's actually in the F- XFL. So well, we're wishing good things for for Ryan. And then um, we, I, I trained some athletes. I'm not going to mention them just because they're they're underage and whatnot. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah we don't need, whatnot, to, but, need to throw any extra pressure but, on them either. Right? But yeah, yeah, got a lot of Great athletes, uh, some track athletes I'm training, some uh, linebackers I'm training uh, from different schools in the Johnson County area. And where I'm excited to see them, them blow up and, and make it big in college. Who's cool. the other uh, – who would you say is your competition as far as performance places here in town um, that, that also go after these high-level uh, youth athletes? 
Oh, there's a lot of great places. I know up in Lenexa, there's a person, uh, there's a team up there, or a facility up there. I'm not going to plug anybody else, so, you know, you got to Google them. (laughs) 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 But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good places, good training everywhere. I'm never going to bash any of my competitions. It's just everybody has a different focus and a bit different specialty. You know, ours is uh, training, but also preparing you to, to make it through the entire season, you know, so that's where we're we're going to focus on. So other places might just be purely performance, you know. So what is what matters to you? You know, what do you need the most? Do you need longevity of career? Do you need to get really, really quick, really, really, really fast? Uh, no matter what, you know. But uh, if you really want to stay balanced, stay healthy, and get strong and fast, come see us. I love that, man. Um, you got a bunch of youth coming in right now. And so the youth is these days, it seems like mental health is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Oh, yeah, huge. I was going to ask, you know, from your days of coming up in sports versus what you're dealing with now as, as uh, sports performance coaching, do you have to deal with a lot of that as far as like, you know, these kids, the, the, their mental health or their mental psyche going into things? Because I'm sure it was always there whenever we were kids, but we just didn't give it as much, you know, I guess, I don't know, as much weight. Uh, you know, we didn't dwell on it as much. We just listened to the coach and go. Well, um, there's social media that puts a huge pressure on kids nowadays that didn't exist whenever I was playing uh, or didn't exist to the same extent. And now people uh, not only have to compare kids, don't not only have to compare themselves to the kids on their team and the kids uh, that they play against, but now they're comparing against the kids all around the country. And, and feeling like they might not ever be able to measure up or not be able to keep up. And then on top of that, with social media, posting things on social media and people getting in the comments and trolling kids, it's it's just, it, it have to take a lot of criticism at an age where you're not really mature enough to handle it. So, you know, there's a lot of debate on social media and, and uh, how early you should let people be on it. But that is, I believe, the main reason why, you know, suicides and mental illnesses so prevalent now is because kids are having to deal with all these opinions of people who don't matter at an age that they're not mature enough to handle it. Oh, um, man. That's tough. And so, yeah, we have a sports psych on staff as uh, for that exact reason. So uh, that's a beautiful thing about working for the KU, uh, uh, KU Med Hospital. We have a lot of resources for everybody, whatever that you might be going through. We have somebody for you. We have a sports dietitian. We have a, a sports psych. And then we have a corrective exercise specialist that purely focus on balancing the body and making it strong and alleviating pain. We have amazing physical therapy. So, um, you got it all covered, man. Yeah, hey, That's we're trying awesome. once again, like orange theory, man, <laughs> you just get involved and be, be, be ahead of the market, you know, where everybody's going. We want to be there first. So dude, I think that's special, man. I had no idea you guys did all that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Swiss Army knife. Hey, what's wrong with <laughs> yeah. you? We'll fix you. We'll fix you. We got you. Yeah, man. <laughs> dude. So every podcast, I don't know if you've listened to our podcast before, but at the end of every podcast, we ask everybody the same question. I got one more. I got one more for you. Oh, them, what you got? So you guys are both parents. You know what I mean? You both got kids. How old are yours? Mine is eight and four. So uh, boys, girls? Uh, eight-year-old boy, four-year-old little girl. Okay. So is the eight-year-old playing sports yet? He plays baseball, yep. Okay. I was going to say, like, you know, is there anything that you would be telling your son differently than you would have done for yourself as far as with youth sports and just where to put his focus or how hard do you push him versus how hard do you just let him do his own thing? Uh, have fun. It, it is. It's have fun. Uh, 
you know, he can be successful in a lot of things. He can be successful in art. He can be successful, and he better be successful in the, in the classroom. That's going to help him uh, go a long way. Oh, there we go, right here. <laughs> here we go. That's gonna, adorable. That's going to help him go a long way, further awesome. than further than sports. Uh, a long career in sports is 10, 15 years. That means you retire at uh, 30, 35 years old. There's a lot of life after that. So what do you have to do after that? You know, football can football or baseball can be your plan A, but you better have a plan B because eventually you're going to retire from your sport and, and you're going to need to still make money. You know, uh, so uh, I really don't I don't push him hard in sports as long as he's having fun. Do it. If you don't don't have fun. Uh, you don't have to do it anymore, but you got to do something extracurricular. So <laughs> better be sports or sports or acting or or singing dance. I played the viola in elementary school and high school. I was in the concert qu- uh, choir. <laughs> like so, the I, viola. Yeah, the viola. Look that up, Luke. I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> the viola is like a violin, but a little deeper. <laughs> how'd you How'd you get into the viola? They ran out of violins. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I played the, I played the viola for best six three three hundred pound <laughs> viola player you ever seen. Exactly. Yeah. I, the funny thing is, it's uh, like a cello but smaller, right? But, no, it looked like a violin but slightly bigger. Oh, what, like, why yeah. is it big? So what's okay? So mandolin, violin. And viola. So, so, so violin. Uh, when you're listening to classical music, the violins are usually the the fast uh, n- uh, notes, the up up tempo. Yeah, the yeah. Viola higher is playing, pitch, if you yeah, will. Higher pitch, and the viola is playing the off uh, uh, tempo. Like so, we're more about. Uh, <laughs> here you go. Well, you said you like to listen to classical music. Yeah, and now I, I love get classical it. music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm a nerd. I lo- I like sci-fi. I play video games. I I like all that stuff. So. That's why I'm not really a big sports guy. I'm not the typical jock. I was good at it, but my main interests were other things. Sure. And so, are you an anime fan too? Oh, a huge everybody, anime fan. Everybody loves all anime now. Yeah. What do I do to get into see, man, see, here's anime? The thing, yeah. I've never seen a single show. <laughs> and people didn't love anime now. It's just now we've come out of the closet. Yeah. Anime. I, I loved anime since I was little, but it was you were dorky, so you didn't you didn't, you talk, didn't talk about, about it. it. But yeah. now social media made it cool. Now everybody, like, oh yeah, I've been in anime since '99. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been loving anime since day one. I'm like, right. dude, I, I know nothing. I tried. I, I, in my head, it was like Speed Racer as a kid it was, was the Power only anime Rangers, I Power and Rangers, anime, anime. And Pokemon, <laughs> kind of all the same. Like yeah, Pokemon was my, my first goodness. try. I yeah, didn't I was, like please it. Stop, stop, stop. Pokemon's not. You barely even named one anime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said Power Rangers. Hey, don't worry. Power Rangers is live action, my guy. It's not even anime. That's not even a cartoon. Just, come on, hey, Kyle. hey, listen, listen, listen. You just you just educated me on something because oh. when you said there's the, I thought anime was a show. Like there's is anime not anime is there's a genre. Like, oh, it's a genre. It's a, oh my it's a God. genre of cartoon. Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, face palm. I just thought it sure. was the guy with the hair that was like really spiky. I thought that was that's that's just Dragon thought, Ball Z, he dude. Anime was a character, my boy. Oh. <laughs> or just a sh- wow. He thought it was its own show. Yo, wow. It's a I'm genre. Sorry, of shows. I don't know. I literally know less. Show, show, n- hey, <laughs> show Roger the guy with the spiky. Right the fact that you said the guy with the spiky hair, all anime people are listening to us said this boy just referred to Goku as yeah, a Goku. guy with spiky. Yeah, don't say yeah, Goku now. <laughs> he doesn't know. Oh yeah, yeah, Goku. Uh, I, I know who Goku is, dude. Ah, come on. I thought Goku was the the show that he was on was anime. <laughs> He's got. <laughs> Click his story. Click oh, his story. my goodness. I thought he just got a haircut yesterday that was like every two weeks, and he keeps the Goku going. Oh. That's this morning. 
What are we looking at? Yeah, my boy Hold going on. Super Saiyan. Let's go. He's got his full. He's got the full haircut. He doesn't have one popped. All right, Nicholas got one right there. You can see, but he goes. He had a whole a full side by side of him, and I guess his name is Goku. Yeah. Yeah, man. How did I miss this? You know, I was born in '88. How old are you? I'm 86. So I'm just two years. How did I? How did I miss this? I had Cartoon Network. Yeah. What did I? Hey, you just turned. No, I dude. Yeah, you turned Jeff will ask me about Nickelodeon shows. I'm like, he's like, you didn't watch that. I'm like, no, I didn't. You didn't watch Cousin I didn't, Skeeter. I didn't really oh, watch yeah, TV. I, I, on, dude. I, I was in all of that. Cousin yeah. Skeeter. Uh, uh, Salute your shorts. What's the yeah. one with the fraggle hey, rock that you talk about? Hey Arnold. Yeah. Hey Arnold. What's up? The one with Fraggle Rock that you talk about? Oh, that's, that's Fraggle Rock. That's, that's a show. Super old oh, it's school. a show. But I never, <laughs> but I never watched Fraggle Rock. I was. That's like you had to have been born in like '83 to right, be like a regular. 80s. Yeah, man, because Fraggle Rock was like an '80s show. It was I, like it was basically Jim Henson. It was like another Sesame Street, but just like all puppets and no adults. Exactly. I missed the uh, boat on SpongeBob. I was like a little too yeah, mature for SpongeBob. Too old. Whereas people your age is like, yeah, SpongeBob. We're, uh, I think we just missed it too. Like I'm right. serious. Like I'm like, I. Well, you were born in '86. I was born in '87. So you yeah. and me are like the same, same, uh, yeah, you don't know who Goku is. I don't. Wow. It's sad, right? <laughs> so I'm asking me about, I'm like, man, I guess I didn't watch much TV like, when where, I was where, that. Where, so how are not anime though? Cause this is like, it was for sure. Just like, yeah, this is anime. You know, yeah, but but now, but now, it's like, yes, this is the show anime. Okay, this is so, the anime. So what's the difference between the dark haired spiky guy and the blonde haired spiky guy? Same guy. They're the same guy. So when he goes super Saiyan, is that when he goes blonde? <laughs> is that the thing? He says Super Saiyan. That's why he changed the colors, right? To Saiyan. Did I say it wrong? Saiyan. He's a Super Saiyan. That's a race of alien warriors. <laughs> I mean, like I should have known. Oh, it's shit. A, it's a, yes. It's <laughs> now like, my mind's blown. They, they, so they, this they is an like alien the They were the Spartans of the the galaxy. All right, there are a, a whole world of alien warriors. And listen, I got ain't got time to go in. <laughs> I'm not mocking it. I'm no. trying to learn. Listen. Hold on, hold on. But why is the, so I got a question guy is the same, si- is the same as the guy. I, I was certain that this and Pokemon were the same thing. You're telling me they're two different things. Oh, my gosh, man. That hurts me. Why? Yeah. I'm just you, like. You, please just stop embarrassing <laughs> I mean, yourself. To be clear, the dark-haired guy does look like Ash without a hat on. You take Ash's hat off, he might look like that dude. No. That looks like Ash no, as an adult. You know, It's a totally different jawline and everything. <laughs> It's a yeah, see, okay. same guy. Same so what guy. happened? Same guy. Thank, happened you, thank you for putting that on us. He went Super Saiyan. He went hey, to the next level. Hey, he's pretty jacked, though. Let's be real. Exactly. You guys should be in this. God, Y'all should be into this. The, wow. the, the amazing bodies in, in, in uh, Dragon Ball, they were all ripped. And see, jacked. I liked Hulk Hogan and shit. You know? Yeah, okay. Real life, yeah, real real life, life ones. I get it. But I'm with I you. It. I didn't I was even a watch WWE that guy. either. WWE and, and anime are just I'm so two, not two different cultures, but definitely but both strong fake. cultures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both fake. Without a doubt. All right, now, Anyways, to Kyle's question. Yeah, the last question we always ask people. So you grew up here in Kansas City. Kansas City is obviously really known for having the best barbecue in the in the country. Are you a barbecue fan? Oh, yeah, I love barbecue. What's, what is the best barbecue in Kansas City, if you had to take one place and eat that for the rest of your life, as far as barbecue goes, what is it? Where are you taking your friends when they're in town? When I take people in town, see, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love burnt ends, and to me, uh, the, the place that actually has, and this is going to be extremely controversial because you know, I grew up on Gates, you know, so Gates was, was a thing, but 
I'm big on burn-ins, and I feel like Jack Stack has the best burn-ins in town. Ooh, yeah, yeah, Jack they're, Stack's they're good. Just melt, melty. But, you know, <laughs> I know there's Q39, there's Jack Stack, there's Oklahoma Joe's or Casey Joe's. You know, he can't go wrong. We're big We're big fans of Jack Stack. We love Jack, Jack Stack here. Yeah, here, here's yeah, the thing. Here's the thing, Kansas City, okay? You show up. You 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 go any corner. You're gonna find some good barbecue. You go to a right. gas station. You're gonna find some good barbecue. You go to the 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 Royal Stadium, and their generic is still better than most other places you go to. It's just anywhere you go, there's gonna be some good barbecue. It's so. true. That's not. It's not. When you're in St. Louis, you like uh, you like St. Louis barbecue. Some pappies. No, it's garbage. <laughs> it's garbage everywhere else. Carolina garbage. Yeah, they're dry rub. I'm like, wait, where's my sauce? Yeah. They got the mustard sauce. They got the out mustard there. sauce down there. If you're a mustard sauce guy, that's also talking about anime being a person like that. Mustard sauce is like the comments you were making about anime. It's just like, are we is even, that even ha- barbecue? Are we even having this conversation? right I'm now? I'm not going to live it down with some of our employees because yeah, they're please, really big. Don't, employee, don't, don't let him people. live it down. He does not deserve to live it down. <laughs> thought anime was a. Person. You make fun of a dude that's 300 pounds and six three about <laughs> his anime love. You know what I mean? I didn't though? make fun of it. I just don't know anything your, about your it. Your questions are the most disrespectful. Respectful. So they might as well be making you fun. You guys did so much research, but then went to anime and said next. That was, that was terrible. Hey, I, I said Super Saiyan, and you're like, it's Super Saiyan. Did I say that wrong? Again? Saiyan is a color. Saiyan is a made up race. <laughs> so, are they the same color as Saiyan? No, no. Say, say, look up look up the color Saiyan. I say on. I don't know. Is say, it a Crayola color? I don't, it, it, you it's get? an actual color. I know. Or is it Scion I'm thinking about? I don't oh know. My, Scion's a Toyota car. All right. So, <laughs> I, I know think, that. I don't know. I think I want to say it's a color of blue, a shade of blue. Saiyan. I, res- I respect the color knowledge, to be honest with you. Dude, hey, hey, um, you know, I didn't I didn't know you well before you came in here. I feel like I know you a whole lot better now. I appreciate I sincerely that. Yeah, appreciate man. you being it's here, been, man. It's been an awesome conversation with you, man. Yeah, my for real. pleasure, man. Thanks, thanks for the invite. This is awesome. First ever podcast. This is dope. Well, you killed it, bro. I appreciate you. Let's uh, shout let's, out. Yeah. Yeah, let's tell our listeners where to find you. All right. So you can find us at uh, the Sports Performance Center, uh, KU Med Sports Performance Center. Uh, we're right off of uh, 125th and Antioch. Uh, come see us. We have, like I said, corrective exercise specialists. So even if you're not an athlete or you're a former athlete or or you're just a person who just wants to operate and move your body without pain, if there's something that's been bothering you and and uh, the doctors can't tell you anything, come see us. Come see our specialists, and we will help you strengthen and get flexible, get mobile, and be able uh, to improve your overall quality of life. So if you're an athlete, we're going to help your quality of life. If you're a non-athlete, we're going to help your quality of life. Life. If you have a heart and you're still be- beating, Sports Performance Center is for you. I love it, Dope, man. man. Uh, you have a, uh, an Instagram profile that could follow you on or anything? Uh, uh, yeah, so you can follow Anime me. Lover. There you go. <laughs> Big, Big Ride 7070 is my personal anime. Or not anime. <laughs> <laughs> dang it, dang we it. got you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, KU Sports Performance Center is, uh, so if you type in KU Sports Performance Center on Instagram, you can follow us there. You can see a lot of reels of uh, some of our athletes, see what we do, and it's fun. It's a good, good place for everybody. Eight years and older. We actually have a summer promo going on right now. So uh, if you sign up within the next two weeks, you get a discount on our 10-week program uh, for y- youth athletics. For you guys that are listening now, this will be uh, 
released next what's today thursday so be released next tuesday so you got about 10 days yeah 10 days to, to take advantage of that offer please do uh follow roger make sure you guys support him he's an awesome dude he's doing some great things with a lot of youth here in kansas city and uh do your th- do us all a favor and please support him all right guys i appreciate that we'll see y'all next week